Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. There is no pain you are This is Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIBC. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Happy days are here again. We finally have reason to celebrate. Things are looking on the up. Good news in the first segment for a change, and I'm happy to share it with you. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on The Circle. I'm your host, Ethan Hatcher. Producer Carl, beep, 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 pushing those buttons, doing the things to make the show function. But finally, Finally, after three years, the U.S. national emergency to respond to the COVID-19 pandemic has ended on Monday as President Joe Biden signed a bipartisan congressional resolution to bring it to a close. Finally, three years later. Uh Uh-oh. Where's my set? Great. Okay, there we go. That would have been a lot nicer if it played on time correctly the first time. But for some reason, somebody muted the host PC at the source. Don't do that in live radio. If Rob can complain about the set of the camera, then I can complain about the people who mute the host PC. We need that. We need that for sound. <laughs> it was not me. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't even blame Guy because he was doing he was doing the broadcast live down at Premier Arms. So, you know, it wasn't even him fidgeting. Let's blame Fid- Tony. Yeah, we'll blame Tony Kinney. He's actually going to be joining the show uh, later, so I might just confront him with that. Uh, he's going to be coming on the program in hour two, and we'll talk about the bombshell audio that was released in the middle of the week on Wednesday. Uh, accuracy in media revealing what we've known for a long time, which is that teachers, even Hoosier teachers, in the state are subversively trying to incorporate the tenets of diversity, equity, and inclusion or critical race theory into the curriculum without actually calling that. And you'll hear more about it again in an hour or two. Don't miss that. But again, right now we're celebrating because the official uh, pandemic has has been uh, closed. The emergency, it came to an end on Monday after three years. And this gives you a peek into the mindset of the administration and leftists because the White House issued a one-line statement on Monday saying Biden had signed the measure behind closed doors. Now, Carl, why would the government not be, you know, absolutely elated front and center putting Biden behind that, you know, getting some cameras in there? This is cause for celebration. Am I wrong? But no, they're just like moping around. Not for them. Yeah, no, this is a bummer. Actually, uh, more than 197 Democrats in the House had voted against ending the pandemic um, when the GOP-controlled chamber passed it in February. Uh, it also passed the Senate by a 68 to 23 vote vote and at that point biden let lawmakers know that he'd sign it but this was very begrudging 
Uh, it, it, you're right. It, it was very, it was very morose, and it gives you a perverse peek into the mindset of the administration and how they sought to utilize the ongoing so-called emergency uh, to usurp more power that wasn't granted to them through the Constitution or through the Congress. Uh, which is absolutely ludicrous, but um, that that is what the government had tried to do, essentially. And for many people, myself included, the pandemic has already been over for a long time. But it's nice to see that it finally officially has come to an end. Also in good news, it appears at least temporarily we have plugged the intel leak where Jack Teixeira who's a 21-year-old member of the Massachusetts Air National Guard. Uh, he has been arrested by the FBI after releasing uh, confidential information, uh, top-secret documents, to an online group called <laughs> Thug Shaker Central. Thug Shaker Central was where they were sa uh, uh, sharing this. And of all things, with mostly male teenagers... Yeah, and it was a teenager that ended up uh, tipping off the FBI that this National Guardsman was sharing top-secret information online. He's since been dubbed the Intel incel by Bill Maher. That's him, the Intel incel. <laughs> Jason born yesterday. What the f***? <laughs> Looks like someone used the de-aging filter on Mayor Pete. <laughs> the Dalai Lama sucks tongues that are older than this. This kid got carted at the Super Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> when they asked him for a plea, he said not guilty by reason of anxiety. I, I'm telling you, these kids today. So they took him into custody on Thursday afternoon, and they're going to speak with Teixeira about the leak after he oversaw the community of about 20 to 30, mostly teenagers and young adults. Military records show that he holds the rank of Airman First Class and has been in uniform since he entered the Air National Guard in September of 2019. So basically, coming right out of high school, I think as an 18-year-old, he's joining the National Guard and got top secret uh, security clearance in 2021. So if he's 21, they, they gave that to him when he was 19? The 21-year-old Air National Guardsman from Massachusetts accused of leaking classified documents on a social media platform is spending his second night in federal custody. The FBI arresting Jack Teixeira at his mother's home in Massachusetts Thursday. Appearing in court today, Teixeira did not enter a plea to charges of violating the Espionage Act for taking and transmitting classified materials. He'd been assigned to cyber defense operations and had been given security clearance in 2021. Prosecutors say he knew what he was doing was illegal. <sighs> this stresses me out, Carl. What were you going to say? Not trusted to buy a beer, but trusted with top secrets. Bingo! You can't even trust a 21-year-old and most 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 uh, adults these days to hold down a job as a Starbucks barista. They're too stressed out about it, but they're giving this 19-year-old kid access to top-secret documents. I think I blame the leadership in this case. That was a bad mistake. Give it to somebody with a little bit more experience. But, and, I mean, clearly he doesn't have the decorum or the qualifications because his bright plan, his brilliant plan to get prestige among these teenagers is to share top secret United States documents like this is this is guy this is a guy who's not engaging his full uh, brain capacity you know what I mean the the thinking gear is not engaged with this dude but think about the leadership who gave him 
Right. Yes. Right. Um, Well, and that goes to show about the state of the military because they're more concerned with putting drag shows on in military bases (laughs) than accurately vetting who they hand out top secret uh, security clearance to. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, you're listening to Saturday Night on The Circle, by the way. Thanks for joining the show. Make sure to catch my podcast uploaded to Saturday Night on The Circle.fireside.fm. You can find them on WIBC.com. Also, we're streaming live on the YouTube where you can hop into the comments and let us know your thoughts about the news that we discuss on the show. Also, of course, this week, I'm sure everybody has heard about the horrendous fire in Richmond. This is absolutely crazy. And evidently, according to the mayor, they've known this industrial facility was at risk for quite some time, quite some time in advance. Um, And they are blaming, putting the blame of the blaze on the owner of the facility who'd been previously notified by officials dating back since at least 2019. Everything that's ensued here, the fire, the damages, uh, the risk that our first responders have taken and the risk these citizens are under are the response of that uh, negligent business owner. The city says when the property owner failed to pay taxes, the city acquired a portion in a tax sale back in 2021. The city started its own cleanup efforts, but the fire happened before they could get too far. We took a portion of it from the business owner in a tax sale to hold that person accountable for this cleanup. They are still accountable for everything on this site, for every bit of the mess on this site. They're responsible for the fire that has happened and all of the damage that's ensued afterward. So that's Mayor Dave Snow, and he says the neighborhood is in in the immediate area of the burning facility is still on an evacuation order, which means Hoosiers living in the area are advised not to venture into their homes, at least not without wearing an N95 mask. Fires releasing tons of toxins into the air. Oh, no. Wait. N95. Dang it, Carl. We just got done with that, and they said the emergency was over, and now they're putting the face diapers back on us. Man, glad I don't live in Richmond. Uh, That'd be tough to deal with. But speaking of which, there is a resident of Richmond who is coming on the show in just a minute. We have Mike Musselman, uh, who lives basically right across the street, and he's going to tell us more about the ground-level perspective about the blaze that has impacted this historic Hoosier community. So don't miss that. Stay tuned for more coming up next on Saturday Night on The Circle. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. This is Saturday Night on the Circle, and I am your bespectacled curmudgeon, Ethan Hatcher. Thanks for joining me. Uh, you can find my podcast uploaded to Saturday Night on the Circle.fireside.fm and WIBC.com. Also, feel free to hop in the chat on the YouTube while we broadcast live. This week, the city of Richmond had a disastrous multi day fire spilling a dark cloud of toxic fumes over the community and forcing some neighbors to evacuate. City officials say that the property has been an issue for years, dating back to at least 2019, and now the worst-case scenario has come to pass, causing concern for the historic Hoosier town. Joining the show is Mike Musselman, who's a resident of Richmond, uh, who had a frightening front-row seat to watch the fire unfold. Thanks for coming on the show and giving us a ground-level perspective. I really appreciate it. Not a problem, Nathan. Okay. Thanks for having me. 
hey, I'm just glad that uh, that you're all right and you can tell us about it. So, first of all, how close are you to the fire? I saw you p- uh, post some pictures on Facebook. It looks like you had a front row seat. Uh, pretty much front row seat. I'm literally, uh, uh, I'd say, under under 500 feet from it. Oh, wow. So, I mean, you're just literally a hop, skip, and a jump away. Absolutely. Was your property at all damaged by the ash or debris caused by the, the billowing cloud of smoke? No, nah, the winds pretty much stayed east uh, until like the last night or so before some of it did. I got some, I got soot and stuff like that all over my vehicles that I need to wash off. But other than that, we just had the funky uh, smell from the plastic and chemicals that was in the air. Now, as I understand it, the blaze is under control at this point. Is that accurate? The last news thing I saw said that it was all the way out. They were now tearing down the buildings and um, removing all the burned-up debris. How big is that property? Um, it was huge. Um, it's like it expands like three fourths of the block. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, it's it's a huge. It's like uh, multi buildings and parking areas, or you know, or lots that had a bunch of semis and uh, trailers and stuff in there. Now. Um, it, it, uh, while that was going on, were you at all forced to evacuate? Um, I was told that I was a shelter in place unless the wind uh, shifted and started going west. Then I would have to be uh, uh, evacuated. And that if I didn't go, then I would be uh, uh, arrested. Oh, wow. You're under threat of arrest if you didn't evacuate. Now, that's not something I'd heard. Yeah. Yep. If we uh, if we didn't uh, if we didn't evacuate if if, if it, when it become mandatory then we, we they could arrest us. They also told us that if we left our animals outside that they could arrest us for animal cruelty. Well, yeah. I mean, with all the toxic clouds uh, billowing into the air, actually, I hear there are no, new reports that there were toxins. Let me play this uh, uh, soundbite from WTHR. Officials are telling evacuated okay. Richmond residents not to go home yet. Tests today confirm cancer-causing agents in the air from that recycling plant fire that sent toxic smoke high into the air more than two days ago. Okay, so that's pretty scary. They're saying that there could be cancer-causing toxins in the smoke. I mean, how worried are you about what that stuff could be doing to your health? Uh, I'm pretty concerned. Uh, I've seen a report that says that there was asbestos in it. Oh, that's like the worst thing that you could get airborne because it goes straight into your lungs and then it'll mess with them forever. Yep. Mesothelioma and stuff like that. Um, That's crazy. What does the damage actually look like if it's a multi, you know, taking up half the block, a multi-building unit uh, property? I mean, can you tell just from the street how badly everything has been burned down? Um, It all burnt down. I mean, it's totally destroyed. Uh, But they've got the block blocked off. We're not allowed down there. Um, they're going to arrest you for being down there, they said. Oh, you can't get too close then. No. Um, now, the mayor says that this property has been under investigation by the city since at least 2019. I guess it fell under disrepair when this guy was sick and he put two other guys in charge of it, based their income on the amount of plastic they took in and subsequently overloaded the facility. How aware were you that this property was a fire hazard and evidently an imminent one posing a, a, a threat to your, your neighbors and you? Uh, for quite a time now, uh, all they've done is uh, give them citations. Um, there's been plenty of video where they, uh, before the fire, that they had drones in the air and they took uh, massive pictures of just how nasty it was. 
Yeah. Um, and then the, the, the infestation of uh, mice and rats and all kinds of other bugs. There was many complaints from other businesses on the same street that was uh, constantly complaining about it. Well, I mean, you could tell how badly the facility had fallen into disrepair. Those drone videos that you had mentioned, they showed on the news with portions of the roof that had actually been collapsed. And I suppose some of it, you, you know, you could blame on the delay that was caused by COVID-19. But we're in 2023, and you'd figure that the city would have moved in on the property by now, especially since they had acquired a portion of it themselves in a tax sale, fining this guy in the subsequent bankruptcy. I mean, it, it, it seems like a combination. I know that the mayor is trying to shift the blame towards this negligent business owner, and certainly there is responsibility there. But how responsible do you feel uh, that the mayor of Richmond and the community is for not having acted sooner to penalize this businessman for threatening the the residents nearby? A hundred percent. Yeah, they knew about it, and all they've done is citate, and they could have took it over, which they actually did. They acquired like three fourths of the property, yeah, two thirds of it. So, I mean, they own more of the property than the other actual people that was running the business. But then, of course, they're putting the sole responsibility on the owner. Um, now, as far as what kind of damage this could be doing to property, certainly to health, if there was some sort of civil lawsuit formed against the city or the business owner to uh, get damages for the, the health problems that have been posed or you know the ash that has been strewn all over your properties, would you be willing to join some kind of uh, you know, class action? Absolutely. Because it just—it seems completely unfair that this has been a known problem for a while. The city didn't do anything about it. The business owner didn't do anything about it. Meanwhile, I get, in addition to the trash spilling out, there's evidently vermin going on. I mean, this has been a huge problem. That's that's really unfortunate. Yes, it is. So, what are the? Fe- Go ahead. Okay, as far as the health issues uh, that I've had, uh, I've had a headache pretty much since it started. Um, itchy eyes, sore throat. Um, small cough, but the major one I've had is just a major headache and then maybe a slight shortness of breath. But as other people in the neighborhood have said, that if you got, that they, that some that have gone to the hospital or one of the walk-in clinics, um, they're not really doing nothing for you other than um, take samples, put you on oxygen for a little bit, and uh, sending you home. Wow. So that... there's no reason really to go out there and waste the money on a bill when – they're not going to be able to do anything for you. Now, you mentioned the smell. Can you describe it? I mean, is it overwhelming? How, how much does it permeate everything around the area? How far out can you smell it? Um, you could smell it all the way in Cambridge and Connersville. I mean, you just, there's, it just depends on which way the wind is blowing. Now, Cambridge and Connersville are quite a, a few miles away from Richmond. That's in, that's, so this is a huge radius that's, that's being uh, affected by this disaster. Oh, huge, and, not, and that's just west. That's not even going towards Federal County and Ohio and all that, and yeah. the city and all that, because um, literally when I seen the fire, I was actually in Cambridge, Indiana, working at um, that job, and uh, Bob O'Links there in Cambridge at the liquor store, and uh, uh, literally I went outside to open up the ice chest and happened to see this big cloud and uh, then somebody had told me that the, there was a giant fire, and 
yeah, that that's how I first found out about the fire. One of the news reporters actually visited the owner of the facility who lives 14 miles away. And at the time, you could see the billowing cloud uh, coming to, coming in that direction. So, yeah, I mean, it's got a huge impact. Now, what are some of the feelings uh, about the fire that you've heard from neighbors that you've talked with? What's the community saying? Um, the ones that are in my area, they're mainly just complaining about the fact that uh, nothing was done about it before all this happened. Yeah. Um, and I think I even seen the mayor made a comment or somebody had made a comment uh, that uh, they wasn't or might have been the fire department had made the comment that uh, they knew this was going to happen. It wasn't a what was going to happen. It was a when was it going to happen. Wow, that's incredible. So it's been a ticking time bomb for a while. You've been aware of it. Businesses have been aware of it. Neighbors have been aware of it. The community's been aware of it. It's just been allowed to sit and fester, and now the worst has happened. Um, of course, you're right across the street. Do you plan to go anywhere else or move away from the disaster zone? I mean, I understand, you You know, heck, especially with how the economy is, you might not be able to, but it's uh, scary to think about living next to that festering pit. Yeah, financially, I just couldn't afford to do it. I, I just have to tough it out. Yeah. Well, I mean, hey, hey, lawyers, pay attention. This is why you need to be getting a, a civil class action lawsuit up against uh, 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 the owners in the city because somebody's got to pay for what's 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 happened here. That's really unfortunate, and it was seen a mile away. Oh yeah. Well, I f- uh, th- thanks for coming on the show, Mike. I really appreciate you uh, you taking some time out of your day, and I feel so bad um, uh, about the situation, especially being in such close proximity to the disaster. But I mean, thank you for providing your perspective and giving us a little bit more insight. Uh, you know, just literally from the ground level across the street. No problem. Appreciate you having me. Thank you. Stay tuned to 93 WIBC. This is Saturday night on the Circle. We got a lot more content coming up. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Saturday Night on the Circle podcast. Be sure to catch us live every Saturday night from 7 to 9 Eastern on 93 WIBC Indianapolis and watch us on the YouTube live stream where you can comment live with other fans. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. is Saturday night on The Circle on 93 WIPC. This week, the insanity of leftists once again came into focus as Corrine Jean-Pierre danced around confirming rumors of a TikToker's briefing room at the White House. A Texas transgendered activist physically blocked the sergeant of arms from regaining control of the microphone in the Texas Senate. And a new musical icon has been added to the National Recording Registry. Finally, Creepy Joe is at it again, threatening to spread his saliva across the globe. Don't miss a moment of this week's Hat Tricks with Hatcher. It's time for another one of Hatcher's Hat Tricks. The story you are about to see is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. You're listening to Saturday Night on The Circle, where I'm your host, Ethan Hatcher, and producer Carl, beep, 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 pushing those buttons and doing the things to make the show function. We begin with Corinne Jean-Pierre. Oh, 
<laughs> scoffing at reporters and claiming that this president has an unprecedented level of questions shouted at him. And she's literally getting laughed at by the press corps. So I'll say this. It is also unprecedented that a president takes as many shouted questions as this president has. And he has. No, 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 I, no, no. Okay. Well, we'll get we'll we'll certainly we'll certainly get the data and share that with all of you. I hear John, yeah. I hear your question, I heard Zeke's question, I hear you. I hear you on the press conference, on the formal press press conference. So I guess that's the excuse because he, he gets so many shouted questions. That's why the president has hasn't done a formal press conference for, I think it's going on like a year now. He's just been hiding, holding up there in the Oval Office because they can't afford him to go in front of a camera whenever he, whenever he does, we get more Bidenisms. I mean, this presidency has been one nonstop laugh track because the litany of mistakes he makes anytime he schleps in front of the American public. It's absolutely insane. And you'll hear a prime example of that later in this very segment. But before we get to it, I want to point to an absolute Absolutely crazy moment when a transgender activist named Lauren Perkins was addressing the Texas Senate in opposition to a bill that would limit, quote, gender affirming care, uh, that's uh, genital mutilation surgery and hormone blockers to children. Um, they were protesting that measure in the Texas Senate and blowing past their time actually physically prevented the sergeant of arms at the Senate from regaining control of the mic. Microphone in an incredibly uh, uncouth and undemocratic display. We can see through this veneer of legislation and assess the intended target, the continued marginalization and othering of the LGBTQIA plus community, rhetoric intended to strike fear into the hearts of the people of this state. I will not sit here and debate your fascist ideology as peddlers of intolerance deserve no such stage on a public forum. I will not appear to the notion of tax base of jobs or business growth in this state. They are inconsequential of the recognition of the basic rights of your fellow human. Thank you for your testimony. The bill is two seconds away from the outdated discriminatory three articles for your laws testimony. of the 20th century, and I will not stand for it. We will not stand for it. We may not win today, and we may not win tomorrow, but we will persist as we always have in the fight of your oppression. If you wish to eradicate your transgenderism order. from the public life, as members of your party have said, you can pray casual observations. First of all, honey, you wouldn't know a Nazi if one smacked you with the butt of their rifle. Second of all, if you were living indeed in a fascist country, I guarantee you they would not be giving you access to a microphone nor tolerating this insane, insipid creature dancing around, this transgender woman dancing around her, preventing the sergeant of arms of the Senate from regaining control of the microphone. And finally, if you were indeed serious about addressing the Senate with your grievances. They gave you two minutes. You have the same uh, scheduled allotment of time as everybody else, but instead they elected to waste time talking about, of all things, their makeup. I have appeared before the city council, but this is my first time that I've graced this chamber with my presence. So my voice may be shaky, my hands may be trembling, but it is not out of fear or trepidation, but out of indignation and righteous anger. I've been graciously provided by this body a mere two minutes to plead the case for my humanity. This morning, I spent not an inconsequential amount of time pondering what to wear, how to do my makeup, what I should sound like, how I could best present myself to make my humanity clear and obvious to this committee. 
Isn't that a shame? Are you serious? Right. So you got two minutes to plead your case, and you're going to spend like 50 seconds of those two minutes talking about your makeup and your hair and that you've been in front of the, 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 the you know, various uh, city councils before. Like, uh, th- this is not a smart move, uh, my guy. Uh, the, the, <laughs> you're wasting your own time and then creating a scene. You're discrediting yourself. That, I mean, that's that's how insane this is. And if I was going to be attempting to plead my case, I would have been more concise and to the point as this individual should have been instead of stealing time from other people, which is why you have an allotted portion of time in order to do this. So that way we can get to the maximum number of people and get their testimony. I mean, it's just insane. So yeah, uh, that, that was uh, caught on tape this week in the Texas legislature. Also Megan Kelly making an incredibly salient observation regarding Dylan Mulvaney's partnership. This is the insanity of the, the transgender movement partnership with Nike promoting sports bras and the dude doesn't have boobs. Why? Why is Oil of Olay and Bud Light and Nike, Nike sponsoring Dylan Mulvaney now for sports bras? Okay. I'm sorry. Dylan doesn't have breasts. Dylan's been taking some sort of a hormone that has turned Dylan into some I don't know what's happening there, but those are not breasts. And Dylan doesn't need any sort of a bra, never mind a sports bra. The three ladies on this program right now have six boobs between us, and we actually know what it's like to wear a bra, and no one would be inspired to buy one based on non-breasted Dylan Mulvaney prancing around in a Nike sports bra. Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I mean, we live in a truly up, upside down, bizarro world where these are the individuals that you turn to to promote pri- to promote your female products. This is alienating the base. You're using somebody that doesn't even have the anatomy required to get maximum usage from the product. They're just cosplaying as a little girl, which is a full-grown adult man is kind of gross in my estimation. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on the Circle, 93 WIABC. I'm your host, Ethan Hatcher. Catch my podcast uploaded to WIBC.com, Saturday Night on the Circle.fireside.fm, and join the YouTube live where you can hop in the chat and let us know what you think of the show. Um, before we end the segment, I wanted to also... <laughs> Terrible moment. Uh, bad music. Um, Joe Mansion and uh, Bill Paisley singing a rendition of Country Roads in the Ukraine and getting a very tepid response from a very off-tune uh, song. Here we go. Take me home Country Roads to the place I belong What? Virginia. Virginia. I'm going to kill myself and it's your fault.
Not all is lost. Do not despair. Fortunately, in the musical world, there was a silver lining because the National Recording Registry, part of the Library of Congress, their collection of songs and scores, which are culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant, uh, being uh, you know saved for future generations to listen and appreciate, and now adding to the registry this absolute banger from 1985, Koji Kondo's Super Mario Brothers theme. with this producer Carl I mean it's one of those songs that gets stuck in your head it's one of the most instantly recognizable tunes and if anybody doubts the popularity of Nintendo the Super Mario Brothers movie has made over a billion dollars becoming the most profitable movie of 2023 in less than two weeks so I'm I'm fine with this uh One more soundbite I wanted to get to from Corrine Jean-Pierre, essentially admitting that the White House is creating this rumored, from Axios no less, TikTok influencers briefing room. So the press corps isn't enough. Now we're getting to the influencers as well. Axios had a story about the White House possibly creating a new briefing room for social media influencers. And I am curious whether that is real and you would be curious. <laughs> vested interest in protecting the rights of the press corps. The interests of the press corps, I will say. So look, um, don't don't have anything to announce on that or anything to share uh, on that or confirm or anything like that. Uh, as you know, we uh, uh, here at the White House we uh, very often uh, use influencers to try to, to try to meet Americans where they are. Uh, we've seen those recordings. I just don't have anything to share on that. So does that mean you're not denying it? I just I mean I just there's I can't confirm those stories. I just can't confirm or. All I can tell you is something that we do all the time from the president on down is talk to influencers and try to meet the American people where they are to reach them in a different way. I mean, she's saying she can't confirm it, but it sounds awful, an awful lot like she's basically admitting what is now an open secret. Well, you know, I can't deny it. I can't confirm it. But I can say that we like to meet the American people where they are, which I guess is a fancy obfuscation talk for. Yes, we have the TikTokers briefing room. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on the Circle. Before I close out this segment, Creepy Joe makes another appearance, this time threatening to spread his saliva across the globe. Gross! There's nothing our nations can't achieve if we do it together. I really mean it. So thank you all. God bless you all. Let's go... Let's go lick the world. Let's get it done. The planet is not your ice cream cone, Joe. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on The Circle. Stay tuned for more on 93 WIBC. You're listening to Saturday Night on The Circle on 93 WIBC. Thanks for joining the show, Indianapolis. I'm your host, Ethan Hatcher. Doubtlessly, you've heard of the Ohio bus driver, Jackie Miller. She's gone viral after yelling at students for aggravating her asthma by uh, spraying perfume, making this profanity-laced tirade. How much more do you expect me to take? Give me the perfume. I no! Know. No, I didn't. I didn't do anything. I 
like they know I can smell it. I didn't do anything. I didn't spray anything. Sick of you. I'm sick of all of this. I'm done with it. I'm gonna start kicking some. Serious. Do you hear me? Yes. My foot's gonna be so far up your. It's gonna dangle out your nose. I'm done with you. Now, in the fallout from that incident, she was uh, she quit her job in order to uh, you know avoid reprisal from the public, who has extended their sympathy in the most amazing way. It's Saturday night. Time to pass the hat. They have raised over $100,000 through GoFundMe because of uh, the, the way this woman was treated by her students and expressing their sympathy on the job. I'm nobody. You know, I'm just a little granny bus driver. And these people doing this for me is amazing. Send out thank yous to all these people. Jeff Grobe from Vermillion created the fundraiser on her behalf. The two started as strangers. We've had some problems on the, our bus with our own little kids who are only seven and eight. So I just saw this as an opportunity to bring light to the bigger problem. Many supporters donating to her cause, saying they understand her frustration and would have done the same. Yeah, I think that's good news. I think it's great that people are, you know, connecting sympathetically with the plight this this woman faced. I mean, I'm, I'm sure these the, these little uh, rapscallions were absolutely uh, just terrible to deal with on a daily basis. We see it, unfortunately, erupting all over the country. There were a couple of other incidents that were caught on tape. This was a Houston student who uh, got caught sucker punching his professor for confiscating his phone. And there was a Georgia student who got uh, in an altercation with their teacher, a ninth grader who has since been charged with assault, leaving the teacher unable to walk, breaking her leg in the violent attack. So this is the kind of insanity that our educators and our bus drivers have to deal with, unfortunately, on an uh, increasingly regular basis. And it's great to see that the community uh, you know, acknowledges that uh, uphill battle and it, it extends their sympathy through their dollars. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on The Circle, 93 WIBC. Stay tuned. Coming up in the next hour, Tony Kinnett's going to join the show. We're talking about uh, the Plainfield School Corporation and others in the state which have been caught red-handed incorporating CRT into the curriculum. Don't miss it. Up next. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Saturday Night on the Circle podcast. Be sure to catch us live every Saturday night from 7 to 9 Eastern on 93 WIBC Indianapolis and watch us on the YouTube live stream where you can comment live with other fans. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Saturday Night on the Circle podcast. Be sure to catch us live every Saturday night from 7 to 9 Eastern on 93 WIBC Indianapolis and watch us on the YouTube live stream where you can comment live with other fans. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. Good evening, Indianapolis. This is your beheaded broadcaster, Ethan Hatcher. And you can check out my podcast uploaded to WIBC.com and Saturday night on the circle.fireside.fm. Plus, you'll find us broadcasting live on the YouTube. A bombshell hidden camera video on if Indiana school administrators released this week reveals the massive deception by school officials to disguise their political agenda implemented into your children's curriculum. More concerned about playing games of semantics with parents than providing equality education to children. And one of the canaries in the coal mine who warned of this ideological incursion on education was the astute former Indiana teacher and current investigative reporter with the Daily Signal, the ever dapper Tony Kennett, who joins the show once again. I don't think you can call me ever dapper if I'm wearing a polo with blue and red feathers on it. But I, but Today's I appreciate the that. exception, ordinarily dapper. How about that? Yeah, today I look like I'm about to tell you about suburban Where grilling options. Where did you options. get that? The discount bin at the Goodwill? It's like, this is the reject pile. No, I got this at Kohl's while I was looking for a different shirt. And it was on their clearance rack and it was $3 and it is one of my favorite polos. Oh, well, more power to you, man. Thank you. Uh, now, this report ended up coming out on Wednesday this week. From Accuracy in Media, this is a new organization I'm not familiar with, but I loved how they opened their article stating, investigators headed to Indiana, ordinarily the reliably Republican state in middle America, uh, not one where one might expect to find a thriving culture of educators deceptively working to teach critical race theory and its principles, but that's what exactly what is happening. And we're going to start with Laura Del Vecchio, who's the assistant superintendent of Plainfield, having this to say privately to the investigators. Do you have an equity department or anything like that? So, um, honestly, so we, we had, uh, what we've decided to do is not call attention to it um, because when you call attention to it, then the questions are asked, and I really believe that um, you can do more good under the radar. Right before COVID, we had started some really deep diving into our curriculum and we and, and kind of doing that, like, white privilege walk and making sure, like, just... <laughs> Yeah, understand, right? <laughs> yeah, we really got to get that white privilege walk out of the way. Now, Tony, you've been warning about this for years now. I mean, heck, you got kicked out of IPS in 2021 for warning of this very thing. And lo, behold, what we knew was going on is going on. Shocker. So it's one of those things where it's really weird to be in a situation where you recorded a video making a prediction while also trying to summarize what's going on in education to uh, everyone involved. And it, so let me break down the video for you that I did back in 2021. So I had gotten an email from uh, one of the officers at the school telling all principal levels, staff and administrators, if you get asked if we're teaching with critical race theory, you tell them. And then they gave you a script. Like if they ask this question, like a telemarketer script, if they ask this, you answer this. And I made a video because I was done with it because we had just had a racial equity session with Gloria Ladson Billings, who is one of the authors of critical race theory in education. So I, I, I make this video that says, Okay, when we say we're not teaching with critical race theory, we're lying to you, and here's why. And I broke down how we use different terms not to paint a target on our back. And lo and behold, years later, we now have undercover videos coming out from all over Indiana, several different districts, and not just this accuracy and media investigation, but all over, 
that are these administrators saying, well, we kind of changed the words around a little bit, but yeah, we use critical race theory. Yeah, we're, we teach it like this. We're going to keep it on the down lows, what Assistant Superintendent yeah. Lord Del Vecchio said. Under the radar. Under the radar. From whom? Like, under the radar from whom? <laughs> well, from parents, which is wild to me. And I, I was under investigation at IPS for this video. Horrified staff members were all terrified to even look me in the eye. They wouldn't let me back in the building. They said I was causing psychological trauma to my colleagues. And they, they said, you know, we don't teach critical race theory. So let me stop you right there. I've studied this at the graduate level for eight years. Those of you that you have assigned to us reading and professional development, I wrote papers for them when they were my professors. So shut up, number one. Number two, if we're proud of using this type of racial platforming and segregation, why don't we just tell parents that we believe this is the best way to solve what you're calling inequities? Just tell them that you believe this is the best thing for kids. Then parents can decide if they agree with you. And the room was silent for like a minute. Like that's a long time for a room to be silent when you're like one of seven in a room when it's six investigators and me. So it's it's wild to see this now being broadcast around the country from undercover videos. What's especially galling is they continue to lie to parents even after the fact, caught with their proverbial pants down in this undercover investigation, but they're they're after releasing a statement. This coming from Plainfield Schools saying, Plainfield Community School Corporation is aware of being featured in a video that gained public attention. The out-of-state group that was create that created this video came to Plainfield with the intention of creating distrust in the school corporation by spreading misinformation and half-truths. The video was edited from the original conversation, which does not offer the full story and is taken entirely out of context. Our curriculum is based on the Indiana State Standards. Critical race theory is not taught in Plainfield's schools. Our curriculum is available for parents to view, and we encourage parents to reach out to their building principal with any questions they may have. Okay, so lies. I'm going to break this down in every one of the four points that you just made in their statement. So let's go in reverse. Number one, <laughs> teaching critical race theory does not mean you sit kids down and break down all of the critical race theory tenets. Critical race theory says one thing and one thing only. Everything in this country is a product of racism. Everything, every conversation, every system, every business, every interaction, every family product of racism. When you teach kids, that something in their lives is a product of systemic racism they can't erase. That's critical race theory. That's point number one broken down. Number two, saying that, well, they came with the intent to cause discord. What in the interview was false? I don't care the motives of people who report. When Fox 59 reports on something, I don't go, oh, Fox 59, they're friendly, or oh, Fox 59, they're bad. I read the report because facts speak, not the bias of the reporter. Number three, it is patently ridiculous to suggest that because someone wanted to cause social unrest and whatever. From whom? Who is it that saw the video and didn't like the content? It's parents. The parents. They're flipping off the parents. And lastly, their very first point that they said is that, oh, well, we just teach the Indiana State Academic Standard. That doesn't mean anything. That's like me going to a restaurant, ordering the burger, tasting something funny and saying, okay, chef, hey, what's on this burger? And he says, oh, well, we just used real ingredients. And I'm like, okay, I'm sure the ingredients are real. They're not wax fruit. Tell me what ingredients are on the burger. And he says, well, the burgers are made with care and we only use good ingredients. It's like, okay, great. What's the burger seasoned with, chef? And he's like, well, it's seasoned with love. 
that's what this is like. We've it's complete misdirection. We've got more sound from the video because, of course, it was all golden. And if you have the chance, go to Accuracy and Media, uh, Media and check out all eight, media, eight minutes of the audio. But they admit the state standards are vague enough for them to slip in essentially whatever they want. Here's Tracy No, uh, assistant superintendent from Goshen, going on about the same thing. Expo companies that are coming in do presentations, and I actually prep them a little bit because mm-hmm. I'm like, we want this in our curriculum. So if you could just not say specifically this, um, then it won't cause a red flag with the community. And I hate that we have to do that, but um, that way it's still there. Yeah. And, and they would support it if just the, the content was there. They just, it's the title. Oh, they'd support it if they understood the content. Those poor peasants. It's just a title they object to. Ridiculous. So I have never said this on the air. I've never mentioned this in public because I did try to give a lot of staff members that I worked with at IPS a little bit of a birth. And in, in after you know all of the controversy, but I was the guy who was in charge of doing what she said that she did for IPS for science textbooks and STEM textbooks. I would be in charge of meeting with the science textbooks and explaining Indianapolis's need. And my boss at that time, they had brought on a new person in who, by the way, had never taught a science class to be in charge of me. Uh, Her name is Dr. Bobby Sargent. She was from Pike Township. And she was suspicious that I, I I don't know, straight white male. Who was scary? (laughs) And so she ended up sitting in on meetings with me. Didn't trust me to talk to the the vendors alone. And I would say things like, our kids need good challenges. Our kids need to know that they can work in any kind of a field and it'd be, you know, basic common sense meritocracy style things. And she would cut me off and make allusions to the statements that I was making being like unlearned or that, well, actually, we need to run this by our racial equity rubric and all of this other stuff. And she ended up appointing a committee above me, a racial equity committee to oversee all of the textbooks for this entire stuff to make sure that these stupid parents, they wouldn't understand all this racial equity, high minded stuff about segregating kids being good. So we're going to appoint committees to do it. And did you see what uh, was Goshen, right? Goshen Community. Goshen Community announced that they had put her on leave. And then tried to say, well, she made state. She doesn't speak for the district. You know, she <laughs> actually what she said was wrong. We didn't really have those values. It's like, well, again, all these school you- corporations are lying. They act like it's a surprise. This is how their administrators feel. And it's no, they've been caught red handed. It's it's not a surprise, especially to people who've been paying attention and warning you about this for years. Listen to the audio that I recorded in November 2021. It's, it's on Twitter. It's still there. Timestamp still says it's good. At the end of the video, I said, and I quote, When we tell you we are not teaching with critical race theory, we are lying to you, period. Keep looking. Those were my words. And I was right. Here's the director of learning and literacy of Martinsville, Jenny Oakley. Now, I will tell you that we did tweak the name of our equity and inclusion committee um, just because we just didn't want to make a target of it. And we we felt right. for the people that were a part of that membership. Right. And so we renamed it, but that's the work we do is still. Uh, what do you rename it? Right now, it's named a, a work group. Uh, <laughs> that's innocuous. Yeah, Nobody's yeah. coming for a Oh, just the the absolute. (laughs) They think that they know your kids better than you. They think they're smarter than you. They think that you're a bunch of country bumpkin racists who could never have a degree from Ball State University. They're, They're cowards and they're liars. 
And really, at this point, almost almost every one of these administrators that are willing to do this, I think, should have their licenses stripped and they should not be allowed to work in the state again. And we're going to close with Brad Shepard. He's the assistant superintendent of Elkhart. They're even talking about like relabeling social and emotional learnings. That somehow become a yes. bad phrase. Yeah, yeah, it has become a bad phrase, and and. Um we don't openly use that phrase, but we're still doing it. So, I mean, just to avoid anything. I mean, we have not really been hit with it, but just to even avoid it. Language arts is fun because you can do a lot with it. Like you can, you can even put it. the SEL exactly. in oh, yes, language you can arts. Oh yes, very easily. That's right. Exactly right. So there they are admitting that you can incorporate the poison pill because the standards are vague enough to allow these administrators and the teachers to insert their political ideology. Isn't it disgusting? I was called a liar several times <laughs> when I said that. This content is mostly found in history classrooms and English <laughs> classrooms. And I'm on Twitter. I, if you go look through my tweets, I mock English teachers that are fresh out of college more than anything else. They're like, you just don't like English teachers. Because English is a subject that is sprung out of history, just like science is a subject sprung out of math. It does not make sense to tell people that when you're explaining the grammatical functions and the storytelling prospects of man, that politics and history don't factor in. You're choosing what stories to tell kids. You're choosing how to tell children to analyze poetry, history, uh, soliloquies given in, in long speeches and Shakespeare's words, etc. And so when you inject your politics into it, you are responsible for the implications thereof. Think about how pollutive it is to the integrity of the study of English by playing word games with these children and parents. All of this, all of this entire bowl of nonsense, all because in the 1990s, we did not want to admit that fatherlessness played a much larger role in the negative academic performance and intergenerational poverty that was found in white and black communities inside inner cities. We didn't want to admit that. Gloria Ladson Billings made that very clear in several lectures and essays in the 90s. And so, therefore, we've adopted critical race theory as an excuse to tell everyone that it can't possibly be because parents made poor sexual decisions, we have to tell our kids that it's because there's some racial boogeyman out to get them in every facet of life. And now it's being revealed in undercover video. Thanks for coming on the show, Tony Kennett. Ethan, I appreciate it's always it. a pleasure. And make sure to catch your show live one to three every Saturday. That's right. Thanks for listening to 93 WIBC. Coming up next, Casey Daniels joins the show, and we're going to talk about the curious case of why it seems so many women in particular are supportive of the transgender movement, which seeks to replace them, baffling outsiders looking in. We'll discuss that coming up next. Don't miss a moment of 93 WIBC, Saturday night on The Circle. It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world as we know it. You're listening to Saturday Night on The Circle on 93 WIBC. Welcome back to Saturday Night on The Circle, where I'm your bohemian codger, Ethan Hatcher. Find my podcast archive posted to WIBC.com, Saturday Night on The Circle.fireside.fm as well. And hop in the chat while I'm, uh, the show is in progress on YouTube. It seems now more than ever that biological women have come under attack from men pretending to be them, taking spots in advertising.
sexualizing pageants and sports away from women and giving them to men in female cosplay. <laughs> Yet, counterintuitively, this replacement seems to be supported and encouraged by many women. Here to help break down the disconnect is one half of the award-winning Kendall and Casey show. She's all you'd ever want, the kind of girl you'd like to flaunt and take to dinner. She's got style. She's got grace. You <laughs> might say she's a winner. Casey Daniels joining the show once again. Thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me, Ethan. All right, so let's dive right in. I don't understand the disconnect, Casey, and maybe you can help me out, because obviously this is not all women, but a surprising amount of women are supportive of this transgender movement, uh, you know, in full-throated support, including Megan Rapino, who has is one of 40 female athletes, specifically, that signed a letter on Monday um, which opposed the U.S. House bill that would protect women and girls from having to compete against men in sports. You'd think that would just be a no-brainer, given the inherent biological advantage of male athletes. But then you have these 40 female athletes saying, uh-uh, it doesn't protect women in sports, since it would preclude women and girls from receiving mental and health benefits. Casey, this is an incredible disconnect to me that so many women are supportive of this. I, I feel like I'm a crazy pills here. Yeah, I don't understand it either, especially coming from an elite athlete like Megan Rapino. Right. She knows how hard it is to get to the level that she plays at, how much time and effort she has to put into that. And then for her to say that girls would not be receiving mental and physical health benefits, you're right. There is a disconnect. I feel like girls should be in quotation marks there. Mm-hmm. Like, does, does, what does she mean there? Because women are receiving health care. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, what's in dispute here is this now gender affirming care, which is primarily targeting kids. That's the only thing in dispute. Adults can do what they want, but it's polluting so many things. It's polluting the definition of women. It's polluting the definition of sports. It's polluting comp- competition. Mm-hmm. And then you get support from these female athletes. What's the point of Title IX? Right. Honestly, what is the point of it when you have things like this? Uh, so let me give you an example of something that I had to deal with. When my daughter, I, I played soccer in the early 70s before anybody ever played soccer. And I played all the way through college. Daughter played soccer from the time she was five all the way to graduating high school. But at one point, she wanted to play lacrosse. And the area we were at did not have a girls lacrosse club. So she was not allowed to play on the boys team. Different rules, boys and girls lacrosse, they have different rules. It's a different game, pretty much. So, as the loving mother that I am, I went out and created the Girls Lacrosse Club. And this is not something you just do overnight. Oh, no, that's a heck of a lot of effort to coordinate stuff between parents in school. Well, not only that, but you have to become a 501c3. You have to open bank accounts. You have You're to kidding. Get, you have to get insurance. You have to work with the National Lacrosse Association. You have to work with the athletic school boards. You have to get other schools involved. You have to administer uh, registration and tryouts. You have to find fields and practice fields. You have just to for find... a school sports team. Yes, you have to find coaches. You have to, you know. I would never have imagined this because, of course, I'm completely disconnected from most sports, lacrosse especially. Mm-hmm. But what you're talking about is a litany of requirements, a lo- and especially yes. an, an interest in making the sport available for girls. For girls. For girls. Yeah, for girls right. Ah! So to go through all of this work and then for them to turn around and say, "Yeah, but we're going to let this biological male." Play on the team that's not fair because you just said the girl couldn't play on the boys team but now a biological male can play on the girls team after we've done all this work to make it equal so that there can be a girls team and what we're talking about is an inherent 
biological competitive advantage. Scientists have measured the mm-hmm. difference in hormones, the difference in muscle you know, uh, compression, expansion, flexibility, uh, overall strength, and just on average, your male body will be more responsive in a way that gives them an advantage on the field. This mm-hmm. is not this is not something that's discriminatory. This is just statements of fact. Yeah, exactly. This has nothing to do with who you want to love, who you want to be. It has to do with the biology and the difference between men and women. And men will have an advantage over women in sports. And it's interesting that you mentioned all the work that you went through for who was it again? My daughter. For your daughter. Mm -hmm. An interesting point because that's what Riley Gaines noted of course former American all-star college swimmer Mm -hmm. um, who had to compete against Leah Thomas and we won't get into that debacle. Um, She was harassed at San Francisco State University most recently and there again you know, it was a woman who was dancing around her in that now infamous footage cursing her out calling her a turf and an F word and all I mean all sorts of uh, flim flare and filth Um, you know but she had a response in particular, uh, Riley Gaines, to Megan Rapinoe's letter, and she tweeted out, um, let's see, it's worth noting that you've done, uh, one, you're done with your athletic career, and two, because you aren't sexually attracted to men, it's unlikely that you will ever have a daughter Daughters. to defend. Mm-hmm. And to me, this looks like a ca- classic case of virtuous, virtue signaling because you have nothing to lose. <laughs> laid down the smackdown pretty hard but yeah. i mean you know it, it, it's worth noting because when you don't have any risk mm-hmm. you don't have any skin in the game then of course you're going to have a different viewpoint on that than those who are on the ground level doing the work doing the legwork like you and you know just to or just to compete yeah. or like riley Gaines, you know who who had her uh, you know accomplishments erased essentially because of leah thomas's inclusion yeah and she had said that in the competition her and leah actually tied their numbers down to the one one hundredth of a second were exactly the same. However, the NCAA told her they only had one trophy yeah. and it would go to Leah. <laughs> and when she asked why, she was told for a photo op. Right. For a photo op, virtue signaling, that's why that happened. And good on Riley Gaines for now speaking out. She's done at University of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. She's done competing on the collegiate level. And now she's being a very strong woman by speaking out and taking all sorts of heat from it from these people who disagree with her. What is the deal with women who are now being put down by men and are getting encouraged by other women? This seems like the definition of anti-feminism. What happened to all the feminists? Where mm-hmm. are they at on this? And again, it's not all women because you've had some pretty interesting interactions with like a former Olympic athlete yeah, on, had, on the Kendall and Casey show. Yeah, we had Jen Young on. She lives here in Indiana and she is a former Olympian in rowing. And we got into a conversation about this because one of her former rowing Olympic teammates asked her to get on board with letting the transgenders play in the women's rowing. And she said she was uncomfortable with it because she knows, especially an elite athlete, what they have to do to get to that level level. And she said that the men, the biological males, would have an inherent advantage. And not only does that take away from the sport, but it takes away from the opportunities, Mm -hmm. scholarships, and Mm -hmm. things of that nature that these young girls can have, potentially have, if they're replaced by biological males. And I asked her how it made her feel, and she said she was very irritated by it. And then we talked about why are more women not speaking out about this and against this? And her answer was very telling. And I think it's going on a lot with women who don't agree with this 
She said she was afraid. She was nervous. She's uh, conflict avoidant and didn't want to be bullied by other people because her focus is on her family and she didn't want her life ruined no. by speaking out against it. Not an idle fear considering what they happened chased, to Riley Gaines. Considering they chased her into a closet and had to be under police protection for three hours. Yeah, and she missed her flight to get home and she had to be escorted out of the building just for speaking what she feels incredibly hostile mm-hmm. um and it, 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 well you know fundamentally anti-woman when you're censoring their opinion you're literally pushing the you're pushing baby in a closet don't mm-hmm. back baby in a closet yeah um well and now there's this thing where there's all of these women who are conservative women who are posting the social media how many days they have been a woman mine as well over nineteen thousand. <laughs> oh even. yeah 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 and uh rob and i were on that in the middle of march and here we are in the middle of april and it's it's catching on but uh it's you know these brands that are celebrating biological males parading around like women and but, there's but much it's, it's women I'm, I, I'm i'm glad that you mentioned that the brands you know like most famously of course budweiser and mm-hmm. these conservative women who are numbering the days that they've been women because they were born that way versus dylan mm-hmm. and you have the uh, vice president of marketing Alyssa gordon heinerschneid mm-hmm. um or he- heinerschneid um who is uh, diversifying the brand and then who mailed dylan uh you know of course the promotional cans with mm-hmm. his face on them mm-hmm. and announcing the partnership and there again how are you honoring women by placing a cosplaying man in their position? You're not. You're not honoring no. women. It's a slap in the face to women by saying, oh, congratulations, you've been a woman for 365 days. No, he's not. He has a penis. Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. <laughs> That's the opposite. He's of being a woman. He's got a wang. It's, yes, it's he's just... got junk in the trunk, in the pants. But, but you know, when we have, of course, a Supreme Court justices, you know, again, female, who aren't able to provide the definition of what a woman is, mm-hmm. we're living in a truly insane society. And kind of the culmination of this segment, and why I wanted to invite you on, is maybe you can provide us some perspective. What's going on, do you think, in the mindset of these women? Is it the touchy feels? Is it the fact that they have felt oppressed for so long, so they feel sympathy for this group that they they, they believe is being targeted. What? Uh... Well, nobody likes oppression on any level. No. Uh, so I think that a lot of people, women, can understand that. However, when they're taking that away from. You can't cancel an entire gender. And Matt Hiblin and I, our boss, we've had conversations about this. And he said, Well, where are the women? And I almost feel it's to the point. They give up. Like, why fight it? We've been fighting it for decades and nothing changes with, you know, uh, patriarchy. So so what what can we do? The thought occurs to me it could be a matter of visibility, too, because these individuals, uh, you, you know, are being propped up, especially by national media. They get the attention. They're everywhere on the Twitter scape, social media, et cetera. But you mentioned even Olympic level athletes who are women who mm-hmm. have participated in the sports feel like they could be bullied mm-hmm. like Riley Gaines. So if there there's that fear there, maybe yep. that's the difference that we're experiencing. It's yes. just a difference of visibility. I, I, I believe maybe. so. And uh, I think a lot of these corporations, it stems from them trying to get their CEI number up. So this all goes down to ESG and 
Yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's not good to make a mockery of women. ESG is an entirely different yeah, can oh, of worms. You don't want to get into that, did oh, you? Oh, <laughs> yeah. No, no, with how the banks are, are applying these corporate loans. And yes, it does mm-hmm. impact and influence what ultimately uh, comes downstream in the culture they are pushing. And what about the hypocrisy of this Bud Light VP, the marketing person who came up with this new bright, <laughs> inclusive image, yeah, and yet old pictures of her are showing up where she's... Uh, blowing up condoms and and, oh, yeah. and chugging beers like in a fraternity. Seems like she was part of the target demographic, which again is humorous to me. She's like, oh no, you know, it's out of touch with the youth. We got to update. But then you see pictures from mm-hmm. her in the college speaking, drinking the bud, doing the things from experience. <laughs> so yes, utter hypocrisy, yep. and and it is puzzling. It, it's it's a trend that we're bearing witness to. I I think it's been elevated certainly in the conversation because of the move by Bud. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully we're going to see a change. Well, and it's it's not just Budweiser. I mean, no. there's plenty of them. There's Nike. More than 14 partnerships with this deal alone. And yeah. the, the one, tampax, most puzzlingly. Tampax, yes. Where, <laughs> where is he going to put that tampon? I don't want to know. This is a family-friendly show. We won't answer that question. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We... Insane times indeed. Yeah. But but thanks for coming on the show, Casey. Thanks for te- uh, you know tossing around some of these issues. I think it's interesting. It's certainly captivating people's attention. And it is fascinating to know these inconsistencies and kind of hypocrisy in the messaging that is currently being promoted. Yep, but totally mo- agree. But most importantly, you know, I, I, I think that we need to and it's weird, you know, of course, coming from the man, stand up for the rights of women, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> real biological women, and yes. respect them and the role that they play in society and the world at large. Yes, I agree. And, uh, you know, we can't keep living under this, uh, I don't know, this this cloak of... I, what, what Bizarro you, world. What, what, do you, what do you even call it? Like Bizarro world. Be honest, okay? Yeah. There's male and female. It's chromosomal. It's DNA. It's not the clothes you put on. It's not how you play dress up. It's well, even one of the le- it's one, science, Ethan. One of the leftist darlings from like 20 years ago, uh, evolutionary biologist Richard Dawkins. He was recently on Piers Morgan, and of course, he's now been demonized and ostracized by the academic community for merely affirming the existence of a biological sex binary. And he's mm-hmm. like, oh, well, of course, you can say that gender. Uh, uh, if you accept that gender is on a spectrum, fine, whatever. But speaking as an evolutionary biologist and somebody who has studied, you know. Biology, human biology for decades in the academic sense, there are two sexes. Yes. And that's just. There are two. That's, that's a statement of fact. It, it shouldn't be upsetting and it's not discriminatory. It's just reality. Yes. I think that's a good way to end this segment. There's two. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Uh, this is Saturday Night on the Circle. Stay tuned for more coming up on 93 WIBC. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Saturday Night on the Circle podcast. Be sure to catch us live every Saturday night from 7 to 9 Eastern on 93 WIBC Indianapolis and watch us on the YouTube live stream where you can comment live with other fans. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This is Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. 
Got a couple abbreviated segments because we went a little long in the interviews at the top of the hour, bringing in Tony Kennett to the show to talk about the debacle in Indiana schools where teachers are surreptitiously inserting critical race theory into the curriculum without parents' knowledge and trying to hide it after the fact. Caught on tape. And of course, we also invited uh, Casey Daniels from the Kendall and Casey show onto the program and talk about why so many women in particular seem to support this transgender agenda which seeks to replace them and it's the same ditzy purple haired sexually ambiguous broad in all these major companies they come up with the same freaking idea every time and I'm sorry if you just heard me you know complaining about it in the next segment but I want to talk about how they've not only ruined beer but other aspects of culture doing the same thing every time this is vice president of marketing Alyssa Gordon Heinerscheid commenting on the state of Bud Light infamously before the announcement of the Dylan Mulvaney partnership. I had a really clear job to do when I took over Bud Light and it was this brand is in decline. It's been in decline for a really long time. And if we do not attract young drinkers to come and drink this brand, there will be no future for Bud Light. So I had this super clear mandate. It's like Mm -hmm. we need to evolve and elevate this incredibly iconic brand. And my, what I brought to that was a belief in, okay, what is, what, what does evolve and elevate mean? It means inclusivity. It means shifting the tone. It means having a campaign that's truly inclusive and feels lighter and brighter and different and appeals to women and to men. Mm -hmm. And representation is at sort of the heart of evolution. You've got to see people who reflect you in the work. I've got a brilliant idea. We got a new mandate and we're going to do diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's brilliant. It's never been done before. Carl, I can't tell you how frustrating it is because line item by line item, it's like they've gone through nerd culture and completely eviscerated it. How big a fan are you of, like, say, Star Wars, Star Trek, uh, Lord of the Rings, or, you know, any of the big nerd, nerdy things? I'm not nerdy. Not nerdy. <laughs> Okay. Sorry. Just me. Sorry. Well, I can bitch about it because I, I mean, just one by one, they did this to Star Wars. They did it to Lord of the Rings. They did it to Doctor Who. They did it to Star Trek. They did it to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They did it to the comic books, both Marvel and DC. And it's the same ditzy broads every time with the same brilliant idea of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And every time it tanks those brands, runs them into the ground, it just, it drives me. Up a wall, Carol. <laughs> Star Wars is filled with wokery. It used to be a multi-billion-dollar franchise, and Disney had absolutely tanked it. The wokies uh, uh, over at the BBC, Chris Chibnall, uh, Jodie Whittaker, completely tanked Doctor Who after generations of fans. Uh, they, they did the same thing with the a- Alex Kurtzman uh, verse over at Star Trek. They did the same thing with Kathleen Kennedy in Star Wars. Did the same thing with uh, Victoria Alonso over at Marvel. It's the same. Same idea. It's the same game plan with the same predictable results every time. And I'm just sick of it. I'm sick of how this diversity, equity, and inclusion has polluted some of the most iconic cultural products that that we've uh, that we that we've had that that have shared and bound communities together. Because things like Star Wars were never not inclusive. They were always inclusive. They always Princess Leia. 
Duh, Padme Amidala. Duh. Uh, what, what about uh, Lando Calrissian? Duh. There's th- see, there's diversity. There's it, it inclusion in there. It never was you know exclusive. So they're misrepresenting uh, the, these communities when they paint them that way, and then completely eviscerate them. Don't participate. Don't purchase or support the product, and then move on. And we've seen at every level, even in academia, they're pushing this nonsense. In the last segment, I talked about how um, Richard Dawkins, of course, is now ostracized by the academic community for affirming a biological reality. And you see this echoed by like this West Virginia University professor who claim who, who claims to be an expert in gender, but then says the ridiculous, the patently false and ridiculous, which is that biological sex doesn't exist. What? For those of you who don't know me, I am a medical school professor specializing in molecular biology. I also have an extensive background in uh, gender studies and queer studies. The idea of sex as an immutable characteristic is a turf talking point that's been around for decades, and it's been weaponized against trans women in particular in the fashion of, oh, but you will always be male and therefore invading female spaces. Sex as it pertains to humans is a construct. It is a set of spectrum variables with bimodal distribution that we draw an arbitrary set of boundaries around into two broad categories, but they are not immutable characteristics. Almost all of those characteristics can be changed through hormones or through surgery. Amazing. Every word of what you just said was wrong. (sighs) I'm so tired, Carl. I'm so tired. It's not real. It's not reality. I, I mean, I, I've played this this soundbite before, but and I mentioned it again in the last segment. But here, here's Richard Dawkins, evolutionary biologist and former leftist darling, affirming what should be incontrover- incontrovertible and non-controversial, the fact that there are two biological sexes. It, 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 well, it's just what's extraordinary to me is they, they want to what they call de-gender and neutralize language. But they're doing it from a completely false pretext that you can somehow pretend biology doesn't exist, particularly when it comes to someone's sex. I mean, it's incontrovertible. There's no scientific doubt about this. And yet a small group of people have been quite successful, actually, in reshaping vast swathes of the way society talks and is allowed to talk. It's bullying. Uh, and we've seen the, the way um, JK Rowling has been bullied, Kathleen yeah. Stock has been bullied. Um, They've stood up to it, but but um, it's very upsetting the way this tiny minority of people has managed to capture the discourse and to um, really talk arrant nonsense. What's the answer to it? Science. I mean, um, there are two sexes. Um, you could talk about gender if you wish, and that's just a subjective. I'm not. But when people say there are a hundred genders, yeah, for example, uh, yeah, I'm not interested in that. As as a biologist, there are two sexes, hmm. uh, and that's all there is to it. That's all there is to it. Unfortunately, we got to end the segment there. Stay tuned for a very short segment coming up next on Saturday Night in the Circle. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. is Saturday night on The Circle on 93 WIPC. 
Welcome back to the show. You know what makes me unhappy? The fact that I left myself so damn little time to actually do a segment for the final bit of the show. Uh, I guess I ate up all, all my time talking about uh, uh, <laughs> talking about the ridiculousness in schools, the lies that administrators are perpetrating on parents, and of course, the transgender agenda that is erasing women. I wanted to get into specifically this new right-wing beer that they're launching in lieu of uh, uh, Bud Light, uh, capitalizing on uh, conservative outrage. Once again, we, we had uh, anti-woke chocolate. Now we have ultra-right-wing right beer. But I guess I'll have to get into that in a future episode. In the meantime, I leave you with my parting words of wisdom. As always, wherever you are, whoever you're with, whatever you're doing, remember that life is a state of mind. See you next week. Yeah.